Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. We were on the road heading to Billy's house. My truck was only a two-seater, so Liza and I sat up front and Wally in the bed. He'd brought a, a rifle and a tomahawk. It was one of them tactical ones, not native style like you might expect. I also had one of my dad's old rifles hanging up in the back of the cab and a revolver in the glove box. We had a bit of a ride, so I figured that I'd get something off my chest. So, why'd you leave the mountain? I asked. Wouldn't you like to? Oh, yeah, but... Why'd you leave my dad behind? Liza sat quietly for a moment, watching the trees go by out the window. I was only 17 when I had him. I, I wasn't ready to be a mother. I wasn't ready for a lot of things. But the idea of raising a child on that mountain, it was too much. I told your grandfather that I wanted to leave and I wanted them to come with me, but his parents held too much sway over him convinced him that there was no other place to go. That don't make any sense. You knew how to get away without paying the fee. Why would they want y'all to stay? I don't know. I guess they'd fallen under the Monday spell, worshipped them like so many others. It was sickening. I tried to take your dad with me, but his grandparents stopped me, said that they'd kill me if I tried taking him away. So... I left. Oh, that must have been hard. It was, at first, but I checked on him periodically, made sure that he was being raised right. You came back to the mountain? Yep. I never stayed long, just long enough to see your dad was alright. Nobody ever saw me. When did you stop checking on him? When he moved out of your grandfather's house... I hated knowing that he paid that horrible fee to live on his own. Why didn't you tell him about the dream catchers? He could have left and never had to pay that damn fee. I guess I figured that he wouldn't want to leave, like his father. Well, he wasn't like his father. 
Paying that fee, it broke him. Liza felt quiet again and went back to looking at the window. We drove on in silence the rest of the way and eventually came upon Billy's driveway. The house was hidden a little ways back in the woods. Well, this is it, I said. Liza tapped on the rear window and Wally jumped out at the end of the driveway. He took his rifle and tomahawk and he suddenly disappeared into the woods. We rolled down the driveway and got out of the truck. Billy met us out front, shotgun in hand. Well, well, he began. You found the old hag. Georgie and Sadie came out on the porch behind him and stood by the door with their arms crossed and arrogant looks on their faces. Yeah, I got her. Where's my mum? Whoa, slow down there, Mason. Bring your grandmammy on up here first. I look over at Liza and nodded for her to go ahead of me. We tied her wrist to make the whole thing look more convincing. That's it, said Billy as we got closer. I want to get a good look at the one who got away. Suddenly, there was a wet thump behind Billy and a spray of blood off to his side. Sadie's eyes got real big as she let out a petrified wail. Billy turned around. Wally had stuck his tomahawk into the top of George's head and then quickly reached over and grabbed Sadie. Wally put his boot up against George's back and pulled the tomahawk out of her head. There was a gruesome sound like splitting wood as it came out. He pushed her away and Billy watched in awe as her lifeless body fell at his feet. You... you killed my Georgia, Billy said, sounding like a man who had just lost his soul. And he'll kill your daughter next if you don't tell us what we want to know, Liza said. She was untied, although she was never tied tightly to begin with. Billy seemed to be in shock as he turned back to us. He was as pale as a ghost. Drop that gun, I told him and aimed my revolver at his chest. He didn't hesitate. He put it down and raised his hands. I am not even sure if the gun was loaded, to be honest. Wait, wait. Let Sadie go, he begged. She ain't done nothing. Wally pressed the tomahawk blade more firmly against Sadie's throat. She was trembling like a leaf. Tears were flowing down her cheeks. We'll be the judge of that, said Liza. Now tell us where your sister is. I gave her to the Mundys. You what? Liza sounded surprised. She reached out and grabbed the revolver from my hand as Billy started pleading again. Please, please, just let, let's say... Billy's words were cut short as Liza fired a round into his forehead. He dropped like a sack of potatoes. Sadie started to scream, but Wally cut that short too. I stood at the end of the porch, looking down at my dead relatives. I loved them once. It's a tough pill to swallow, knowing that maybe they never really cared about me. But as I looked at them, laying lifeless on that porch, I realized all of a sudden that I couldn't care less. They got what was coming to them. Wally had gone over to the truck bed and grabbed a canister of gasoline and started dumping it all over the bodies in the house. Get in the truck, Liza said to me. When we walked over to the truck and got in, 
Wally tossed a lit match and sent the house up in flames instantly, then jumped back into the truck bed. What now? I asked. We need to hurry up and we need to get to the Mundy's house. Wait, they, they ain't gonna hurt her. She's a Mundy, right? We're protected. Nobody's protected, Mason. They lied to you. Now get moving. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We had driven up to the start of my road. In the distance, black smoke from Billy's burning house was building above the tree line. Liza told me to pull the truck off to the side behind some trees. Then we climbed out. She told Wally to go scout up top and that we'd wait for him in the woods on the other side of the road. Wally grabbed his tomahawk and took off through the woods and up the mountain. I reckon he didn't want nothing slowing him down because... He took the scope and left his rifle behind with Liza. I took my dad's rifle out from behind the seats and we headed off across the road. We went a few feet back and crouched behind some trees. The smoke, it was still building. We figured that it was only a matter of time before we'd be hearing the volunteers racing on with their sirens wailing. How do you, how do you know so much? I asked Liza. About what? Everything. The Mundys, the mare. Eliza was quiet for a moment as she looked out to the road. I, uh, I had an older brother, she began. He was a, a half-brother. We had different fathers. When he was eight and I was three, my mother gave him to the Mundys. She paused. I could tell her mind was searching some distant memory. Twelve years later, he returned. For a while, he didn't talk. He barely even moved. But one day, he woke up and 
he told me everything. Like what? Well, I'm sure you saw a lot of it yourself. The cages, the cannibalism, the executions, the Wendigo. But he also told me about the Mundies and how they would kill each other, especially if they got a sense that a certain Mundy's loyalty was waning. That's why we need to hurry up and get my mum. Yep. Do Mundies really not have to pay the fee? That part is true. If you're a Mundy, it's free to live here. It costs two of your own blood to leave. Why is that? To convince you to stay, I guess? You said nobody is protected, even other families that give up their own children. Liza turned to look at me. She seemed frustrated. Mason, never trust the word of evil. Everything that they say and do is for their own benefit. They promise protection so that those people become more loyal to them. But the Mundys, they're only loyal to the mayor. If they decide that somebody they promise protection needs to die, then they won't hesitate to kill them. It seemed so obvious now that I'd heard it. I guess it's just human nature to trust someone, maybe. I mean, just because police enforce the laws, it don't mean that they won't break them. Athletes cheat despite there being rules. Married couples have affairs, even though they've vowed to be faithful. Some of it's broken word, some of it's hypocrisy, but if you ask me, hypocrisy is just the breaking of an unspoken promise. A promise, it ain't nothing but a moment that you can look back on and realize that you'd been fooled. What happened to your brother? I asked. Liza turned her gaze back to the road. He, uh, he killed himself soon after. Wally came creeping up about 20 minutes later, said that he'd seen an old lady, three deformed fellas, two of the ugliest women that he'd ever laid eyes on, and a man in a police uniform, but no sign of my mum. Well, I, I guess Chief Collins is up there, I said. He'll be armed. Liza looked over to Wally. Then you take him out first. Wally nodded. Liza turned back to me. Mason, you and I are going to drive your truck up there. We're going to talk to them first. They want me, so we'll act as if I'm giving myself up. When I give the signal, Wally takes out Collins and whichever of those inbred freaks he can. Mason, you're going to grab the rifle from the truck, so make sure that it's somewhere you can grab it quickly. I'll have the revolver on me. The Mundies can take a lot of damage. Dad shot one several times, and he didn't seem to die. Oh, they can die. Just make sure you aim for the head. Liza stood up and told Wally to head back up the mountain and to find a spot. Then she stopped him. Oh, and uh, one more thing. Leave the old lady alive. The sun was setting as we pulled up to the Mundy's property. In the distance, we could finally hear the sirens heading towards the fire all the Mundys and Collins with his pistol in hand came outside. Liza and I got out of the truck. Well, well, well. I reckon you all are the ones that caused the fire over yonder, said Collins. How'd you figure that one out, said Liza. Collins looked over at me. I had a feeling that that uncle of yours would mess up eventually. He got what was coming to him, I said. And I suppose you think we'll get ours too? I gritted my teeth and didn't respond. 
I so badly wanted to shoot him right then. I'm turning myself in, said Liza. Me for his mother. Collins laughed. You expect us to believe that? I mean, look. He pointed at the black plume of smoke off in the distance. That right there, that ain't the doings of a woman planning to give herself up. I did that, I interrupted. I trusted Billy and he betrayed me. I was angry. Collins looked over at me and began playing with his mustache. Fine. Liza, stand there and let me search you for weapons. Where is his mother? Collins stopped. You gonna let me search you first? Show us his mother. Collins turned and looked at Sarah and chuckled. I told you, didn't I? He quickly swung back around with his pistol aimed at the ready. I heard the shot before I saw the impact. A distant rifle had opened up Colin's head. He hit the ground, dead as a doornail. Sarah's eyes darted to our dead kin and then back to me. She let out the soul-piercing scream. It was an order to attack. Liza had pulled the revolver that had been tucked behind her lower back and was firing shots at the charging Mundys. I could hear the echo of Wally's rifle in the distance as I dove into the truck to grab mine. I quickly swung around and the younger Mundy was nearly on me. Suddenly his head snapped to the side and he went down. I quickly looked over to my right and I could see the glint from Wally's rifle in a tree atop the mountain's highest point. Liza had ducked back into the truck to reload, but we weren't dealing with other shooters so cover didn't matter. Three of the Mundys were already dead, the younger one and the two women as well as Collins. Bubba and the other male Mundy was still alive. Sarah was still screaming. She'd occasionally stop to take a breath and then keep going. It was a loud scream too, louder than you'd expect from an old woman, but it was definitely still human. I suppose it was her way of communicating with them inbreds, but the two remaining Mundys were charging us now. Bubba was sprinting at me and the other at Liza, who was still busy loading the revolver. I turned and fired at the Mundys charging her. The first shot hit him in the chest and barely slowed him down. Then the second one hit his head. He fell to the dirt and slid to a stop. A second later though, Bubba collided with me. He was on top of me, but instead of trying to hold me down like last time, he was like a rabid animal trying to tear me to shreds. I had the rifle along my chest trying to keep him off of me. He was making incoherent noises and salivating at the same time. I was pushing with every bit of strength that I had in me, but he was just so much stronger. Sarah was still screaming. Then suddenly she stopped and yelled, Bubba, with genuine panic in her voice. A shot exploded into his head, raining blood and matter as he fell limp on top of me. Liza had gotten him point blank with the revolver. Sarah was now crying with anguish. I pushed Bubba off of me and Liza helped me to my feet. We crossed over to Sarah who was now more emotional than I'd thought possible. <laughs> Where is my mum? Kill me! Sarah replied. We'll do worse than that, said Liza. Now tell us where she is. Sarah didn't respond. She just sat there sobbing. Wally appeared out of the woods and joined us. Make her speak, Wally, said Liza. He hung his rifle over his shoulder and pulled out his tomahawk. 
He grabbed Sarah by her long, greasy hair. She flailed around, screaming for him to let her go. He threw her back to the ground, stepped on her arm, and without hesitation, cut off her hand. She cried in agony. Where is she? He calmly asked. Sarah kept crying. He put his boot on her other arm and brought the tomahawk's blade down on her wrist, severing her remaining hand. Sarah cried out louder, but still didn't say anything. While Lee stepped back and pressed onto her leg, her face was panic-stricken as she watched. He gave her a moment to speak, and then lifted his tomahawk. She's with Mare, she finally confessed. While he relaxed, Liza moved up to her. Is she alive? Sarah's crying began to morph into laughter. Wally brought the tomahawk down onto her ankle. Her laughter returned to wailing again, but only for a moment. She was back to laughing. Yum yum, she said with a pained chuckle. She was rubbing her belly with her bloody nubs at this point. Tasty mummy, she kept laughing. Wally and Liza glanced at each other with concern. I couldn't stand it anymore. I stepped past Wally, put the rifle to Sarah's head and silenced her laughter for good. I went into the house and over to the padlock door. Liza followed after me. Mason, wait, don't go in there yet. I brought the butt of the rifle down on the padlock a couple of times and broke it off. Mason! I stepped through the door and began descending into the cavern. I rushed down the long spiral stairway. I ain't claiming that what I did was smart. It certainly wasn't. There wasn't any thinking involved, to be honest. I mean, I'd lost everyone that I cared about, and I had reason to believe that my mum was next. She was the last person that I had to hold on to. The last person I had to live for. So at that moment, I figured I'd either save her or, well... I would die. The way I saw it, those were the only two options. Liza and Wally were scrambling after me, trying to convince me to turn around. I told them to head back up, that I'd do it on my own. They, of course, didn't listen. I suppose they thought that I was running towards my death, but what we found once we reached the bottom was entirely unexpected. It was completely empty. The cages that had previously held hundreds of prisoners were now completely vacant. The cage doors hung open, chains laid spread across the dirt. Where is everybody? I said primarily to myself. Mason, this isn't good. We need to go back up, said Liza. I ignored her and headed towards the back of the cave. They reluctantly followed. At the end, I came upon the opening to the Wendigo's lair. I could once again sense the evil waiting beyond the jagged tunnel. I stepped inside. It was dark. The chandelier above wasn't lit. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face, but I carefully crept forward. Then, I bumped into something. A person. I took a step back and the chandelier suddenly lit up overhead, I could now see under the dim light that the room was absolutely packed. Every single prisoner was standing in there with me, and they were all facing my direction. 
Welcome back, Mason, they all said simultaneously, reverberating through the cavern like a cathedral. The candles along the cavern walls were sparking to life and pulsating with each word, and then fell back into darkness when they were silent. Thank you for bringing us your grandmother, they said, the lights once again pulsating. I turned around to see Liza and Wally standing at my back. Wally was white-knuckle gripping his tomahawk. I returned my attention to the crowd. Where is my mum? You're too late. The room suddenly returned to near darkness, the chandelier providing only minimal light. My heart sank. What do you mean? Where is she? From the middle of the crowd, I watched a large, dark figure rise. The Wendigo stood at her full height. I could barely make out two human legs dripping with blood, dangling from the beast's mouth. The Wendigo bit down, severing the legs, and then gave a large, bone-chilling grin as she swallowed the remainder of the body. I yelled, something primal and reactionary, a sound deep in me that only the most significant emotional anguish could bring out. And the Wendigo yelled back. The flames from the candle surged to a blinding brightness as the Wendigo's singular roar shook the cavern walls. I tried to maintain my balance as the ground vibrated. Then, she stopped. And calmly said through the chorus of voices that I'd heard the first time that I'd been in the cavern. Bring them to me. Then, the entire crowd charged at us at once. We instantly turned and ran. We squeezed through the narrow tunnel, scuffing against the rocky walls as we spilled out into the main cavern. The crowd of possessed prisoners were pouring out of the same tunnel, climbing across one another. Men, women, even children. Weirdly, too, they all seemed physically equal, despite their differences. Wally and I tried to pull Liza along, but she was slower than us. I looked back at the charging horde and they were nearly on us now. I said a quiet apology and then I braced for impact. But nothing happened. I opened my eyes and we were surrounded. The crowd watched us with hunger still present in their eyes. They wanted to attack us but for some reason they couldn't. The three of us slowly stood to our feet baffled by what we were seeing. What the heck is this? asked Wally. Liza thought for a moment and then removed the dream catcher from around her neck. She held it out in front of her. The prisoners recoiled. The mayor can't get past the dream catchers and they can't get the prisoners to attack us without possessing them. Liza seemed to be realizing this for the first time. She began walking towards the crowd. Dream catcher held out in front of her. The prisoners spread apart, creating a path to the exit. Let's go, said Liza. We started to follow her, then we heard a roar coming from the end of the cave and the sound of breaking bones. The Wendigo's arm appeared outside of the tunnel, followed by her face, which had become morphed and broken. Another arm shot out of the opening as the Wendigo pulled herself through, more snapping bones, the Wendigo's body jolting with each snap. The Wendigo was violently contorting her body to get through the narrow tunnel. She was dragging herself out viciously. Her long, gangly body slid against the dirt, and once outside, her body immediately started repairing itself, joints and bones popping right back into place. 
She turned, stared at us with her large saucer eyes. Liza's voice trembled as she uttered, She's no longer possessed by the mayor. It's been over a week since I first stepped foot into that cave. I am not the man that I was before I went in. Sometimes I, I sit for hours just looking at nothing, thinking about nothing. Like my mind is afraid of what's behind the curtain. I can't say that I've relaxed since then, but I ain't had any nightmares either. Before all this happened, I would have expected an experience like this would plague a man with terrible visions each night. Something that would wake him up out of bed, drenched in sweat and his heart pounding. Don't get me wrong, there are certainly nights that I don't get any rest, more than not. But as I've come to learn it, there ain't any nightmares without the mare. It's how you know that they're near in fact. And that goes for everyone, not just the folks on the mountain. The Wendigo plays a different role. The Wendigo corrupts the human soul. You find yourself in a place where some of the worst sins you can imagine run rampant. Then there's a good chance that a Wendigo is nearby. You might smell the decay or even feel the evil in the air. The mare and the Wendigo, well, that's a match made in hell. See... The mayor don't typically go beyond nightmares. They make your soul tremble and, yeah, sometimes it's too much for a person's heart to handle. But they ain't possessing someone that ain't already deeply corrupted, which is what the Wendigo did to them prisoners. The Wendigo opens the door for the mayor to enter. Run, Liza said quietly as if slipped out of her mouth. The Wendigo was moving towards us, her body twisting and jumping every which way as it popped and cracked back into place. We took off for the stairs, our dream catchers held in front of us. The prisoners stood wild-eyed and jittery, like a horde of zombies unable to move. Our feet hit the stone steps, and we hung our dream catchers back around our necks. We were taking two to three steps at a time, trying to get to the top as quickly as possible. Liza's age was definitely a factor, slowing her down quite a bit. Wally ditched his rifle and had her get onto his back. He's strong and quick, and he could manage to carry her better than I'm sure that I could. The prisoners, they were pursuing us, but they couldn't get close enough to do any harm while we had the dream catchers on us. But the roar of that Wendigo was growing closer, and she certainly could harm us. Something was hitting the walls heavily, shaking the stairway carved from the mountain itself. I turned to look real quick, and there she was. She was twisting and contorting around the bend, bones breaking and snapping back into place. Prisoners were crawling across her and below her, anywhere that they could get through. Some of them would make it out in front of her and then immediately get trampled or swatted out of the way. I still had my rifle on me, so I turned, I fired, but it did nothing to slow her down. Wally was well in front of me now, despite Liza being on his back. I could tell that she wasn't the type that liked to be carried around, but she knew her limits. She had her head turned throughout, hollering at me to hurry up. And at one point, the Wendigo swiped at me and nearly hit me with its arm-length fingers. That gave me the extra boost of adrenaline that I needed to catch up to Wally quickly. 
I could see the exit up ahead. We were nearly there. The Wendigo was still behind us, sounding louder and angrier with every movement. We reached the door and spilled into the interior of the Mundy house. I'm not sure why I figured it would work, but I immediately jumped back up to seal the door shut. The Wendigo hit it like it was a speeding train, launching me backwards into the air and out of one previously boarded up window. The air instantly left my lungs as I hit the ground outside. I laid out there, dazed and struggling to breathe beneath the night sky. I'm sure that I was hurting, but I didn't have time to acknowledge it. Wally and Liza were outside helping me to my feet. Get up, Mason. We have to get to the truck, said Liza. Oh, where's the Wendigo? She's in the... At that moment, the Wendigo came crashing through the decrepit old wall and launched herself at us. We ducked back down to the dirt and watched as she overshot us and tumbled down the backside of the mountain. That isn't going to slow her down for long. Let's go, said Liza. We ran back through the house. The prisoners were pouring out of the door now, but still stopping before they could touch us. We ran past Sarah's body and reached the front entrance and exited into the yard. The truck, thank God, was still there, along with all the other dead Mundies. I tossed Wally my rifle and jumped behind the wheel. Liza got in next to me. The prisoners were pouring out of every opening of the house now. I started the truck and spun the tires, kicking up dirt and rock as I turned the truck around and started heading down the mountain. Here she comes, said Wally. I looked in the mirror and could see that the Wendigo had made it back up the mountain. What do we do? I asked Liza. We need fire. Why? The Wendigo is weak to fire. What about the mayor? Take out the Wendigo and the prisoners will no longer be corrupted. They won't be suitable vessels for the mayor. I rechecked the mirror. The Wendigo, man, it was fast. But my truck was still a little bit quicker. Okay, okay, I said. When we get to the bottom of the mountain, you and Wally need to get out. We need the Wendigo to come after you. Mason, what are you doing? I'm going to take the truck back up the mountain. I need you two to keep the Wendigo at the bottom, okay? I skidded to a stop at the bottom and got out of the truck. The Wendigo was still a ways off. Wally, how much gas you got left in that jug? Wally picked up the jug and shook it. Uh, maybe a cup? You still have those matches? He nodded. I asked him to give me a couple of matches and then took off my jacket and handed it to him. Wrap your tomahawk blade with this and pour some gas on it. He jumped out of the truck and did as I asked. When that Wendigo is getting close, you light that and keep her at bay. Wally nodded. I got back behind the wheel and spun the truck around. And Wally, I said before leaving, take care of my grandma. I smiled at the two of them and sped up the mountain. I had only known them a day, but the way I saw it, they were now the only kin that I still had. The Wendigo was charging down the mountain as I was racing back up. The road ain't very wide, so I had to swerve into a yard to avoid her. She took a swipe at me and clipped the truck, causing the rear to swing out. I regained control and kept going, though. I could see in the mirror that she had noticed Wally and Liza at the bottom, she even appeared to hesitate at first, deciding which of us she wanted to go after. She then turned and headed down the mountain. I didn't have much time. I sped up a little way and I braked hard. I jumped out of the truck with the matches and my dad's old handkerchief, 
I opened the gas cap, got the cloth wet with some fuel and stuck it in. I struck a match and lit the handkerchief. I quickly ran back to the truck and jumped in and turned around down the mountain. I just started picking up some speed when the gas caught fire. The truck bed was quickly engulfed in flames. I accelerated some more and the engine caught fire. Flames were whipping the windshield now. The dark smoke was thickening and I could barely see in front of me. There was a crackle and a small explosion as I lost the use of the gas pedal, but I had already picked up so much momentum and was heading down the mountain quickly. The heat from the fire was becoming unbearable. The smoke and the fire flicked just enough that I could see that I was almost at the bottom now. Wally was swinging the makeshift torch back and forth, keeping the Wendigo from getting any closer to them. The horde of possessed prisoners were stampeding down the mountain behind me now. I laid on the horn, now only about a second from the bottom. I opened the door and crashed out, landing hard against the dirt road. The blazing Ford collided with the Wendigo right as she turned around. It knocked her down and rolled on top of her, covering her in flames. Her roar was loud and pained. It almost resembled the agonizing wail that I'd heard from Sarah earlier. She was flailing around wildly, fire eating away at her pale flesh. Through the flames, I could see her large saucer eyes staring right at me. She was no longer screaming. She wasn't making any sound at all. She just looked at me as if she'd see me again. I stared right back at her and I watched her die. Wally and Liza ran over to me. They tried to help me up, but I told them not to. I could feel that I'd broken a few ribs, maybe some other stuff as well. I couldn't move. Look, Wally nodded. The prisoners were standing around, scattered and confused, like they'd just woken up from a bad dream. Against my better judgment, I went ahead and let Wally and Liza get me to my feet and limped over to the crowd. I was looking for the Keller boys. I hollered their names the best that I could, but boy did it hurt to speak, let alone yell. I was looking at the hundreds of gaunt, dirty faces, grown men and women who had been inside the mountain since they were children, and then there were the ones who are still children, who had witnessed the worst horrors imaginable. I felt a hand on my shoulder and turned to look. It was my mum. I couldn't believe it. I grabbed her and hugged her tight. I couldn't speak. I thought that I'd lost her and there she was. She'd never been touched by the Wendigo. At our sides stood the Keller boys. I guess the... The mountain is healed from its sickness now, but the scars, they remain. The folks that live out there did some awful things that they will have to live with. It ain't worth pretending anymore. So, we left. Liza showed me a spot on her property where we could bury my dad. It's a nice spot beneath a maple tree. He would like it. Mum and the Keller boys were with us at Liza's house, the boys don't understand yet that their parents willingly gave them up, and to be honest, we just don't have the heart to tell them. For now, they'll stay with us until we can get things sorted out. There ain't no way that they're going back to them rotten parents of theirs though, that's for sure. Mum says that 
She's had enough of mountains and she's decided that she wants to live somewhere flat, like Florida. <laughs> I can't say that I blame her. I told her that most parents eventually end up in Florida anyways. I think that I'd like to stay here. I was sitting on the front porch watching the sun go down and Liza came out and joined me. So then, you've decided to stay, huh? She said. For now. Well, I for one am happy to hear that. I smiled. Good. You know, Mason... Liza leaned towards me. If you're going to stay, well, Wally and I were thinking that you could help us. With what? Liza leaned back into her chair again. Well, there are others still out there. I know, Wendigo in just about every mountain and Mare wanting to join them, right? Yeah, but the Wendigo, they aren't the only evil out there opening doors for the Mare. I nodded. Then, what should we do? Liza looked over at me and smirked. Close the doors. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.